0: Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat
1: Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics. With your hosts, Kai Mollette and John Finer. And we sit at one and one as the Owls drop their first road test against the Chattanooga Mocs on Saturday night. The Owl Chat Podcast returns for our weekly game recap. I am joined, as always, by our producer, Nick, in spirit this time, could not make the studio session this week, my partner, John Finer and a very special guest in Mr. Nick Parada. Nick, as I'm sure some of you may know, is a former Owl. He played in the first two years of the program's existence, um, started as a D-lineman, appeared in 22 games, um, and recorded the first ever defensive touchdown in Kennesaw State Owls history. Nick, thank you so much for joining. It's great
0: to have you. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me. Enjoyed uh, following you all so far this this season.
2: Yeah, appreciate Absolutely. it. And also to not shortchange him, that's the first interception and defensive turnover period in Kennesaw State football history, if I'm not mistaken.
0: I, I feel like Taylor Hinkle may have snubbed me of that one. I feel like he had one earlier in the game, but mm-hmm. I, it's been so long at this point, I can't remember. But you know, Well, you
2: know what? You're here. He's not. So I'm giving it to you.
0: <laughs> good. We'll reach uh, out to him next.
2: Yes. So um, perfect. Um, you know, we we all got different views of the game. Uh, I was in the stands. Um, and trust me, I have a lot to talk about um, for this one in particular. Uh, Kai was in the press box and Nick was watching at home on ESPN+. Plus. So we each had different game day experiences that we kind of want to share before we get into too much of the in-game action. Um, first off, I want to give a shout out to the Alumni Association for the pregame event at Chattanooga Brewing. Um, it was very well done, um, very well put together. I always go in expecting the worst. It's just me in life. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised, you know, we found the parking easily. There was good signage, very, very, very seamless, Um, good buffet, chicken fingers, burgers, fries, the usual. Had Milton Overton there tried to lead the war champ. The bananas were there. Pretty good uh, turnout, too, because it was right up the road from, you know, in Chattanooga. You're probably not going to see this type of turnout, you know, anywhere else unless we go to like, you know, of course, an in-state type deal. But it was tremendous. Uh, I had fun there. Uh, so shout out to everybody who put that together and everybody who came. Um, also want to talk about, um, you know, what happened in the stands. Uh, so in the first half, uh, there was a fight between OWL fans. I don't want to well too, take too much time, but I thought it was kind of humorous. Um, I was sitting next to a couple folks, folks, uh, perhaps cl- or clearly intoxicated, and uh, they were standing up and cheering on the general admissions um, and, you know, there was there was plenty of room to move around and maneuver. So the people behind, like four or five rows behind were like, can you sit down or whatever? And then the folks that were standing up, you know, they just got were like, no and they it just went from zero to 100 really quick. F-bombs were flying. Um, like it could have gotten physical if the usher did not step in and let everybody know like if you say one more f-bomb, you're gone. Um, you know, my my friend who was there, you know, behind me, I had no idea he was even there. Uh, got the full view of it as well. Um, We were all pleasantly amused. Uh, He has, I think, a two or three-year-old son who said he was very amused. The the kid was very amused by what was going on. Probably didn't know what was going on, but, you know, that touched my heart a little bit. Um, So, you know, that was, luckily it calmed down. There were no problems after that. But, uh, you know, if you were at the game, you probably heard it or saw it. So I just wanted to fill everyone in there.
1: Well, when you mix um the smell of the Tennessee River losing and alcohol together, um, that's that's the type of thing you get.
2: Yes. I don't know what the score was, but it was in the first half. And if our owls showed the same kind of fight that these people did, uh, we would have been up at halftime, I promise you. Um, but anyways, they ended up not moving. Um, one of the people was more defiant than the other, was still standing the whole game. Everybody stayed in their spots, it calmed down. But yeah, the the goal, the idea was. The people behind were like, we were here first. So we're entitled to you know, see it. You guys should move. And the other argument was, well, we can stand up. There's so much seating anywhere in the stadium. You could just move a couple feet that way. You can see just fine. So it was, it was a very fun argument. Um, but there were some other notes I'd like to share from the game day experience. Um, Chattanooga's band, I hate them. Um, they played George of the Jungle. I shit you not, I'm not exaggerating. At the low end, 10 times, high end, probably 15 times. Um, That's the same song. Like I pulled it up on my YouTube and just started playing it for the people around me when they got finished playing it um, just for fun. But um, I miss our band. Our band is clearly better even though they were better on the field tonight. Um, And you know, last but not least, I promised a friend that I would get this in. My friend Bobby said that our new huddle looks like they're doing sorority squats. Um, so I promise I promised Bobby I would get that one in. So there we go. Um, and one more note, the Scrappy that was at the event uh looked like he was uh you know packing on pounds to play on the offensive line. So uh I think I think Scrappy's gonna be moving inside uh in the near future. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, you know, those were my views from uh from the seats. What did you see in the press box, guy? Yeah,
1: uh, the people at Chattanooga took good care of us. Um, It did really put into perspective, um, and I texted you about this before the game, um, the difference between what we have facility-wise and the other schools at the top end of FCS – uh, let alone, you know, some of these FBS programs that we're going to be facing. So it's it, it scares you a little bit. But, you know, my experience was great. Um, really, really cool stadium. I do love Chattanooga, the town. Uh, I got to spend some time with my family up there. Uh, it was a mostly Chattanooga press box, as, you know, one would guess. Um, and most of them, as I told you during the game, were more invested in the Tennessee Austin P game that was happening uh, down the road uh, than the actual game itself. But, I, think you just, uh, I think you just
2: let out a little inside baseball there, Kai, but we'll live. We're not going back there anytime soon. So I think it's
1: great. <laughs> if they revoke my pass next time, that's why. Anyways, yeah, I mean, it was a great view. Um, honestly, it was a good day for me, win or loss. Uh, disappointed with the result, but we move on. Um, and they have a 21,000-seat stadium, I believe. They do, to- and it was it was filled up less than halfway Um uh, reportedly, I think it okay. came in at around uh, 8,100.
2: But so, the KQ turnout was uh, pretty solid.
1: It was, it looked. I was going to ask you about that. Uh, did it feel greater than it looked from my angle? Because it, felt- it wasn't like we were going to sell out half the stadium, but it, it looked like it was pretty concentrated there in the middle. Um, felt yeah, like it, it could was. have been pretty loud, pretty active, but
2: it, it was. People, you know, were yelling, getting, you know, you got the drunk people getting on Bohannon, the usual, the usual fun. Um, also, I saw a uh, baseball student-athlete, uh, I think, who's from the area, uh, Bo Rudy. Uh, he was there with his dad made the trip. So he's a freshman this year on the baseball team. Hopefully, we'll see him out of the bullpen. So, you know, I came up to him and I thanked him for making the trip. You know, like, hey, you're you're in Howell already. You're doing a good job. So uh, he may have left before the fourth quarter, but, you know, you know okay, we'll, we'll let it see.
1: I did see that the, the banana group has expanded from three to five. So they're recruiting successfully, it seems.
2: They have appeal.
1: <laughs> the the potassium patrol or whatever they call themselves. But anyway, uh, Nick, I know you were at home watching on TV. Uh, John told me that you said something about Nolan um, and our crew being far better than the ESPN plus crew or whoever was calling it. Um, so just talk to me about, you know, kind of your angle. Uh, I know you got to follow along on Twitter. Um, just your experience and your emotions throughout the game.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, first of all, it's an awesome facility that they have. I I think they used to host uh, the FCS National Championship prior to it moving to Frisco. So that's a, you know, obviously a really, you know, historic stadium. So Coach Bohan's had a lot of success there from his time at at Georgia Southern. Um, And like you all were talking about in – on TV, it looked like we had a really good crowd there. It almost kind of reminded me of 2017 Jacksonville State um, that road trip where we really packed their side. So it was it was encouraging to see that. Um, yeah, the broadcast. You know, I, I try not to listen sometimes. It's kind of like you know watching Monday Night Football and having them muted every now and then because you know they get they get going on something. You're like, okay, I've had enough. But you know these guys, I just I didn't enjoy them nearly as much as uh, you know Nolan and Barclay on uh, some of the guys that we have on, on our side. Just. Simple procedure stuff. Like they were talking about targeting how you have to get two now, which I don't think is correct. It's an automatic, they review it no matter what. And it's an, injection ejection. Um, at one point on a punt return, they were saying it was Isaac Foster when it was clearly not Isaac Foster. It was, you know, our, our beloved Gabe Binyard. um, you know, things like that, where I was just getting frustrated. Um, and obviously they're going to make mistakes, but I just thought, I just wanted to shout out our, you know, our, our side of things. They do a really good job with, with the production and and making sure they get everything correct. Um, but from watching from home, you know, you get to see a little, a few more replays you get to, you know, even myself, I'd go back and watch a couple of things. I probably replayed Murph's play a hundred times myself at home, which I know we're talking about later. Um, so it was, it was definitely a unique experience. I try and, I try and go to at least a couple of games a year. Um, and so I'm definitely planning on making another home game this year. But the one stat that that I did appreciate from the, the ESPN crew that they had, or, or you know, uh Chattanooga's crew that they had running the, the ESPN plus broadcast was they said that the, our our two schools, Chattanooga and Kennesaw, are the closest to, to division one schools in the country, um, which I found is an, it was an interesting stat. I, I was trying to think of how that could be um when Georgia State's right down the road from us. You mean FCS? I, they must mean F2, division one, FCS programs. The stat, the stat they said was just division one, but I just, I found that interesting, which makes, makes sense. If, if it was FCS, that makes perfect sense. So, um, you know, wish we could go up there a little bit more. It's just right off the road. Even when we were traveling for away games um, I don't know if they still do this. We would fly out of Chattanooga. So Chattanooga is like a, a second home base for, for Kennesaw state.
2: And, you know, right. So, you know, we, we covered a lot of interesting things. Uh, now let's get to the game. Um, you know, uh, I was very excited for the game. Um, I think a lot of us were, um, you know, but I think people know, you know, where we are with the season. Um, the gentleman sitting next to me that, you know, went, you know, that was almost in the confrontation. I had a good, good talk with him. And he even knew like, this is, it's, we're playing for next year. And he, you know, I don't know how much he follows the team, all that kind of stuff, but even he knew, like, hey, you know, it's all about the red shirts this year and you know, making the sacrifices, that thing. So, you know, the people people are smart, people know what's going on. And also, you know, just something I want to get out front is, you know, this was really the first game for a lot of players. Um, the defense as well, you know, a lot of these players didn't um, you know, get to um, you know, stay together and whatnot. Um, and We seven new players like this is their first game you know there's no going back making corrections all that so Chattanooga lucked out and they got us at the at a good time I think
1: I was gonna say um just with the few people I talked to and just reading you know people's thoughts on Twitter um it was disappointing that we lost the game the way we did but it didn't seem like there was too much overall disappointment in the way we played and the fact that we lost Uh, obviously there's a little bit of hard there's a there's a difficulty to buy in this year because of you know no conference title or no fcs playoff to compete for um so i think it means a little bit less to the fans that being said there were good things that happened uh we got killed on the line on both sides throughout the game but skill position wise uh we seemed very even and we we ran with them just fine so
2: what's your take nick
0: yeah, you know, it was it was it was great to see some of those guys that didn't play against Tusculum out there, you know, Chance Gamble and and some others. Um like you said, it was a lot of our guys first truly first game of the year. Um and so when you're kind of playing dancing around the whole redshirt deal of getting cohesion and um communication on both sides of the ball, um I think that's something that we're going to battle all year with, okay, this is the guy for four games, but the other five that we're playing it's someone else. And so kind of Everyone being on the same page, all of that stuff. So, like I said, it was basically like playing another first game. Whereas Chattanooga was coming off of a loss to a, a you know a North Alabama team, um, a lot of a lot of mistakes that they got corrected. So it, it was almost like it took us a full half to kind of catch our wind, and then all of a sudden in the second half, you kind of start to, to see the Kennesaw State football that we that we've come to to know and and, and watch all the time. Um, you know, forcing turnovers, the, the effort, the creativity, things like that. Um, I thought once we really started taking some offensive shots down the field, you really started to see the offense open up and see how explosive we can be, um, which which is always exciting to see, considering this, this is kind of year one and game two of transitioning to a completely new style of offense. Um, so overall, you know, the first half was just about everything that could go wrong did. You know, I don't think I think the their quarterback had one in completion in the first half, um, you know, and he played lights out just like a, you know, an FBS transfer should. Um, They came with a really good game plan. You know, it took us a little bit to adjust, but I think once we kind of got settled in, there were a lot of positives, especially in the second half, to take away from the game that we can build on moving forward. Yeah, and like
1: Bo alluded to, I think we put the ball on the ground twice in the first quarter. Um, We didn't lose either fumble. We ended up winning the turnover battle, actually. But just things were all out of whack. Uh, We were able to move the ball in the first half. We had, you know, even on that first drive, we got it down to, I think it was, I think we, it was like second and four and then third and one. And then we just had, you know, an unlucky play and put us behind the chains. Um, So, and, you know, those are drive killers. And then second drive, we get down all the way into their territory, miss the field goal. And then later in the half, we had the, uh, the Ben screen play that picked up the third and 19 or whatever it was. Um, and got us back into field goal field goal attempt range, we'll say. But you know, we just couldn't get on the board. Um, and we couldn't establish any sort of inside run game. It felt like we had to uh, resort to getting kind of cute with some of our uh play calling to you know, pick up those chunk yardage um, plays. So yeah, I uh, I was good to see us get our rhythm back in the second half, but first half, I wish we could had back.
0: Yeah, there was definitely some moments in the first half that you that you'd like to have back. I mean, the first third down of the game, we call timeout. We only had ten in the huddle. Um, and again, I think that goes back to new bodies being in there, guys that are normally not in that are in. You know, getting the correct personnel packages in. You know, is it Preston Daniel or is it is it Isaac? You know, what 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 personnel are we trying to get on the field? Um, so that really hurt. And then the 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 penalty on the first field goal that made it go from it was either the first or second field goal attempt. It was it was still going to be a long one, like 44, and, and we get a delay of game that dropped it to 49. Um, those two, you know, a missed field goal and then a penalty that led to another missed field goal, those six points in a game that came down to a one-score game late maybe changes how you kind of – how that last drive goes with a minute, you know, 40 to go before before the end of regulation down one as opposed to down seven. I think, we, you know, there's a couple of missed opportunities in the first half that just some easy things that we'd like to have back.
2: And I think our offense just, you know, just has less excuses this week than the defense really are substituting Gabe Benyard in there. Pretty much everything else was fairly, uh, you know, similar, more or less. So, you know, if I'm going to give benefits of the doubt this week, I'm definitely giving it to the defense. Um, and I do think, you know, we were very conservative on offense. Um, a lot of people I talked to were like, you know, we're running it up the middle, running it up it's like, like the Dan Reeves days of the Falcons you know, let them throw that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, I don't really see what we were trying to do and trying to accomplish too much uh, yesterday. So, you know, we need to, you know, figure that out, maybe let Murph have a little bit more freedom to, you know, make, make more reads. Because you know, when he's in there, sometimes I feel kind of like we're running that old school Michael Vick offense, you know, got lefty quarterback drops back, runs for his life. If he finds an open man, it looks awesome. If he hits a hole, gets a seam, it looks awesome. But other than that, you know, I, I'd like to see a more traditional Kennesaw State offense where he's dropping back, you know, making his reads, check downs, whatever he has to do. So that's just me.
1: Right. And Murph had a great game. Um, So nothing against him. No. And, and it, it was really good to see him settle in more in the second half. That being said, he seems really, really hesitant to make that pitch and uh will almost always opt to just tuck it and, you know, he get the have, four or five yards that he can. So
2: he's always had that hesitancy to make the pitch, even when we were doing it, you know, him more than perhaps, uh you know, like Chandler loved to make the pitch. Shepard got better at it. He'd make the pitch. Murphy is kind of like, he just I don't think he has as much confidence there.
0: Yeah, I do think that Chattanooga was doing a really good job, you know, from a schematic standpoint of they were forcing a lot of gives on a lot of those split zone plays where you see Preston and some of these guys working back across the formation. Um, There were a lot of give reads where, you know, it seems like if we get a disconnect here that we might be able to get something and, you know, it it wasn't there and they did a good job of stringing it out a few times. But I, I do agree. There was a couple where maybe if we get that thing pitched, you know, maybe we get we we turn that corner, we get that extra first down that kind of sparks the offense for sure.
1: Right. So scores 10, nothing. Our defense made a few stops first and second down. I can't remember if the play was on third end or not. And our offense was able to move the ball, you know, get us in field goal range. And then the, uh, the Jamoy Mays plays happen, our play happens for Chattanooga where it goes. I couldn't tell if it was one defender or two defender, two two defenders that went off of um, and he catches the ball and goes for like 68 yards, get us all the way, gets Chattanooga all the way down inside the Kennesaw state. Um, 10-yard line. What goes through your head when you see that play, both you, John, being in the stands? I'm sure there were all sorts of reactions around you and you, Nick, just uh, watching on TV. Well,
2: it was like a swift kick to the cojones. Um, it's one way to say it. It was a backbreaker, to be honest. Like, you know, you, you're right there. You have it. Um, you know, from my view, live view, and I haven't seen any replays. I don't even know which players were on it. But, you know, I could tell like that was an interception that it just somehow ended up in Chattanooga's hands. And, you know, it's like I just was like, oh, my God, you know, this is it's kind of embarrassing. Like we have to make that play at the very least, knock it down. Um, But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Nick, how did that look on TV?
0: Yeah, I mean, Chance had a great beat on the ball and just one of those where he's trying to make a super athletic play and it hits right off of his hands. And I I don't remember who the other defender was, but just kind of bobbled off both of their hands and popped, I mean, literally right to uh, the Chattanooga receiver. Um, And, you know, thinking back to last year, Chance had a, what, a three interception game at UT Martin. So maybe he was – maybe the Tennessee gods took over and said that, you know, they owe him one. Um, But, yeah, it's one of those deals where – if we make that play we make that interception which is kind of what Kennesaw State football has been built on is not turning the ball over creating turnovers getting plank out on defense giving our offense extra possessions you felt like that was going to be maybe the spark that turned things around maybe we go down and score and make it a one possession game instead it's completion that goes down to the 10 yard line they score and now it's a three possession game it's it's truly gut-wrenching you know from a player standpoint when you feel like you were about to flip the momentum and and one little thing kind of kind of sets things back in motion for the opposition. So um, that, w- that was definitely a huge turning point in the game um, as, as well as some, some other key plays in the second half, but that, that could have been the the spark that that we needed in the first half to kind of get, get things back on track. Right. It's a shame because
1: uh, as you said, the momentum flipped pretty shortly after and uh, it just leaves us all wondering, you know, what could have been uh, had we made the play and it's, you know, 10 0 we got all the momentum, we got the ball, you know, we go down and score. So I agree. It's, you know, felt
2: like things might not be going our way last night at that point. That was kind of like, you know, when it rains, it pours. uh, That was one of those things. And I think now might be a good time to discuss the uh, targeting on Chance Gamble. Um, I did not see the replay. I'm sure, you know, looking at it live, I could definitely see some kind of contact to the head. Um, You know, I was at the 40 yard line or so. So I saw some kind of contact that I don't know if he was leading with his shoulder, his helmet, if he launched himself um, either way, he's going to, I believe he's going to miss the first half next week. Or if you want to play, um, you know, chess and not checkers, I guess uh, you can hold him out next week, but then it would probably carry over to the next week. But I don't know if we could play that game with the red shirt and try to get around his, uh, get around his suspension. Uh, might be
0: awfully convenient. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yes. Uh, Nick, what did you kind of, you know, see on that from the TV point of view?
0: Yeah. You know, when the, it's always tough when the quarterback takes off and becomes a runner, um, cause you know, as you're seeing in the NFL, as you're seeing it kind of trickle all the way down, even into the high school levels of football, when these quarterbacks take off and they're, they're running and they decide at the very last second to slide, it's a, it's a bang, bang play. And when you're closing like chance was he had already kind of, gotten into position to make his tackle Um and the the quarterback kind of last second decides to slide. And so in, in that process is when his, his, his aiming point changes and his, you know, yes, Chance's head was kind of the, the, the leading, uh, the leading edge of his tackle, but, and that's kind of what, kind of what made contact But most of his contact was with his shoulder, but I mean, nine times out of 10, if it's the quarterback, they're going to call it Uh they're not going to overturn it. Um, And it's just one of those unfortunate things where, you know, the second that you decide to let up when when you think a quarterback's about to slide is when you get the now you can't do it anymore, the fake slide or, you know, that quarterback makes one more cut and, and falls forward for another five, seven yards. You know, it's just one of those things where the quarterback is a is a tricky situation. And you know, you hate to see it because chance is such a such a great player for us and such a great dude. But um, you know, it it it, it is what it is, to quote Coach Bohan and sometimes it, it is what it is. And when you're playing hard and when you're playing physical, sometimes that happens. And I, th- I feel like this hit specifically was one that probably could not have been avoided. Um and, and and it's unfortunate. And hopefully we can kind of find a way to manage uh him being out for a half. Yeah. When they threw the floor flag
1: initially um I was like okay you know it was definitely late but targeting didn't really cross my mind I also didn't see the replay so I'm sure you got a couple of angles on it uh, on tv so just being a couch official would you have stuck with the call
0: yeah I think I would have stuck with it just because I mean the crown of his helmet did make contact with uh, their quarterback's helmet um, it wasn't very you know, it wasn't super aggressive or anything, but it did make contact. You could totally see that happen. And even their announcers were saying the same thing. Um, so being yeah, being the couch referee, I probably would not have overturned it. There was another one that I would have stuck with the call during the game as well that we'll get to. But um, it again those bang bang plays especially when the quarterback slides it's so hard to change your 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 path everything you're taught as a defensive player is to track the near hip to to lead with your shoulder i know everyone teaches rugby style tackling these days um, and so then all of a sudden the quarterback slides, which is an unusual thing for a ball carrier to do, you know, the only thing that, you know, the last thing to go down is the quarterback's head and it's the, the first thing that you're going to make contact with. So, you know, would I have stuck with the call? Yes, probably if I was an official, um, after seeing a couple more replays and, and it was definitely late, but the targeting was definitely, um, it was definitely bang, bang. So I, I, I totally agree with them sticking with the call on the field.
2: Yeah, and it, you know, obviously I'm sure there was no intent from chance, but you know, it's violating the letter of the letter of the law. It says, you know, this is the rule. And whether we like it or not, whether the rule sucks, whether the the rule has really not much interpretation, not open to interpretation there. So we have to go with what is uh shown on the replay. And unfortunately that means I think chance is gonna miss the first half next week. So uh it is what it is, but uh, you know, uh Kai, do you have
1: any last takes or Yeah, I was just gonna say, and this kind of just segues us into what we were gonna talk about next. Um the the play made sense because you could tell that the defense was frustrated with their inability to contain. Um, and I'm gonna try not to mess this up. Uh Chattanooga's quarterback, uh, Chase Artopius. Um, you know, cause he was unbelievably efficient through the air and was able to escape the pocket a lot. Yeah. You know, pick up a few first downs just using his legs and also just extend plays. So it, it it makes sense um, just from a frustration standpoint of why you might have a guy go in there late and just want to finish
2: off that play. And Kai, uh, we were definitely chasing Artopius all night. And, you know, that's something that, you know, I think our defense needs to get better at, especially in the first half. He was, you know a scrambling quarterback he was making us look like we were in uh, quicksand at certain times uh, from the live view on my end
1: right and it was a little disappointing because i think we undersold our topius a little bit coming into the week uh he had a really rough game um against north alabama the week prior and we're like okay you know we got this guy he was like qb4 at ucla you know he can't be all that great um and he picked us apart all night uh so credit to him um, but on our side, it was a concerning night for our secondary, um, for sure.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, anytime you get a, a power five transfer quarterback to play FCS football, you know you're you've got something. Um, and the the throws that he was making were most of the time usually just his first or second read. It seemed like they could hit a comeback. All night. And I know that we were trying to dial up some pressures and that we got caught in man coverage a couple of times, but anytime we got any kind of pressure in there, he was extremely aware of of his pocket presence and where to get out where where his nearest you know target was and um, he, he played he played really, really well so um, and when when that happens you know sometimes you just got to tip your cap and say hey you, you know that that guy played really really well tonight we just when we had opportunities to make plays like chances uh, chances play and, and a couple others you have to make them when when a guy's having a night like that and we we just didn't quite make those plays to kind of get him off schedule and it just seemed like even their first drive felt like they got to get you know Chattanooga went through their entire script the first 10-12 plays um just right down the field just felt like you know they they, they they were in sync they were in rhythm and we couldn't really disrupt that until later in the game and, and kind of showed some different presentations some different looks that confused him a little bit oh is it one high is it too high etc um so I it Kudos to him, but definitely some things that we can improve on as far as, you know, containing the quarterback, you know, showing, you know, and, and it may come back to communication again, there was there was a busted coverage uh, touchdown down on I looked like on our sideline um, towards you guys over there, where there's a guy just running free from a wheel route that was a man coverage, you know, uh Blitz where they kind of threw like a fake bubble um, and and we, we lose a guy in coverage and man, you know, again, it could be a communication error, like you said, with seven new guys on defense that did not play the, the week prior um, things like that made, you know, we, you give a quarterback, that's on that many easy throws. It can, it can make, make for a long night, especially when he's making all the difficult throws. Yeah. Right. And, and before we
1: um, get too deep into the second half and some of the more encouraging stuff from that night, uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the specialists um, in the first half. Uh, Connor Cummins, uh, I'm not going to call it a kicker situation because I don't think it's a situation, but starts 0-2 for again. Uh, You feel for him because they're both long kicks. They're difficult kicks to make at any level. Um, But still, it it becomes a deal of, you know, at what point does this become a wasted possession when we're trotting him out there uh, when these kicks are not in his range and he can't hit this kick, you know, more than 50% of the time. So uh, I know... The first two kicks missed to the left. Uh, I didn't see them from my angle. How close they were? I'm just curious. I don't know if you saw them
0: either, John, from where you were sitting. But Nick, how how did those kicks look? Yeah, it almost looked like uh, me off the off the first tee. You know, a little bit of a hook. He just. Just caught it just enough to where it just kind of had that that overhook kind of motion to it. Um, he got two attempts at the second one, I believe, yeah. uh, at, because of the delay of game. And he, he did miss the first one, uh, even with the delay. So um, his, his miss has been left. The 41-yarder that he drilled later in the game was – I mean, he hit it perfect. It was it was right through the uprights. But both – the first two were definitely hooked left. Um, I don't recall the the two from Tusculum which side it was, but it, it definitely seems to be – um, a little bit more of a tendency to miss to, to the left. And when you're kicking from the right hash, um, that can be an over that, that can certainly be an issue.
2: And we just have to, you know, keep in mind that it's, you know, not just singling Connor out, you know, there's an entire operation here. We don't know if the hold is slightly off. We can't really, you know, tell that. So I said this last week, we're going to, you know, we're going to be fair to him. Um, you know, let the coaches make that decision. Um, and hopefully you can turn it around. But yeah, like you said, you know, he missed that 42 and that uh, 47 or whatever it was. I was in the stands screaming. I thought we had to go for it there. Um, you know, fourth and two, the bow of the past, you know, 2017, 2018, he goes for that It's like fourth and four, fourth and five, he might even go for it. Um, I just, I just wish, you know, like it seems like he has more confidence in the kicker to hit from 45 plus than he does in the offense to pick up two yards which to me, you know, it's sending mixed messages like cognitive dissonance. I don't understand, you know, where, you know, the mindset is and the priority in terms of, you know, our our, our offense versus our defense versus our special teams. So that's just me.
1: Right. And, you know, not to single out Cummins at all, because I think he's a solid, consistent kicker from about 40 in, uh, that being said, that's what he is. And what I've learned through two games of the year is that we would probably be better off going for it on fourth and short uh, rather than trotting him out there, um, you know, to attempt a kick that he hits, uh, you know, at this point, one out of five
2: times. And Thompson, so. and Thompson and Robertson in the past, I think they're kind of the same way, you know, 40 and in, even 35 and in um, at times. Um, so, you know, that's Connor Cummins has the ability to make the longer kick, but you know we're in a situation right now we don't want him to make that don't want him to attempt that kick as much as possible but unlike perhaps robertson and thompson cummins has a chance at making it 50 it's just an accuracy issue
1: part of me wonders if bohannon is trying to mature the program a little bit um just with the change in offense and with the hesitance to pull the trigger on fourth down as much this year um I selfishly, as somebody who watches football like they're playing Madden, you know, don't want to see that happen. Um, But it's it's really uh, uh, us fans need to have faith in the coaching staff situation.
2: Yeah. And how much say does Coach Klonakis have in this as well? Um, Right. It it might not just be Coach Bohannon. Coach Klanakis is a veteran coach. Um, You know, he had a relationship with Coach Chestnut that goes way back. You know, they were, you know, in very much in sync. Um, does, you know, coach Bell have that trust in coach Klanakis yet? Does coach Klanakis say, yeah, let's kick it. I'm old school. You know, let's kick the points. You know, I don't know how much that plays into it.
0: Yeah. Right. And I, I totally agree. I didn't mean to cut you off, Kai. I, I think it's one of those deals where, you know, you're, you're learning a new, you're learning a new coordinator and his style. Um, but ultimately I, I would imagine it's, it's gotta be coach Bo's, um, decision. And, and on third down, he's going to go ahead and let coach Klonakis know, Hey, you know you got two downs to get these five yards instead of one or, or etc you know make your best two calls here instead of one um you know like you said and maturing the program as well i think in the in the old days when you run the option you, you feel like you can get every fourth and two you feel like you know you but now we're in the gun things are hitting a little bit slower it's a little bit different different game i think we're just kind of figuring out what our identity is uh on offense i think they're starting to develop it but you know, when you're in when you're in year twenty of running the same offense, you know what you're capable of and what looks you've been getting. I think you're a little more comfortable probably pulling the trigger on that fourth and two in those situations.
2: I agree, Coach Klanakis. You know, he's you know different than perhaps Coach Chestnut. You know, he's been around doing this, I'm sure, since what the '90s, maybe even before that. I don't even know, but you know, there there might be some kind of you know, Bo might have that trust in Klanakis to kind of you know make the call. And there might be, there might be more collaboration than with coach Chestnut. I'm sure he and he and Bo were very much synced up.
1: Right. And I will say just from, you know, early first impressions, I've been really, really impressed with the way Klonakis has handled this transition. Um, I think uh, there is a lot of
0: optimism to be had about our offense and the looks we've gotten so far. So. No yeah. doubt. Everything I hear from current players, I mean, if you watch the press conferences, they they love him. Uh, they love playing for him. I think he he brings a new energy to to the offense that um, you know the kids are really excited about. So that, that's always encouraging to see you know guys publicly during press conferences talk about how much they love playing for for their coordinators. And it's right. gonna
2: it's gonna be about you know I think some of our players tuning out the noise because you know if, if we play like this you know for the rest of the season. And we're kind of off and on. I mean, you know, we just have to stick to the plan, I guess, right now when, you know, trust it, if we go back and say, Oh, we're not doing well now, fire Klonakis, fire Bohannon. Oh, great. We just wasted this year. We wasted last year. You know, let's, you know, what, no matter what happens this year, we could win not one more game. I'm excited for next year. And that's when I really want to see the results and I'm going to value the results we're getting like it's embarrassing you know if we lose our you know games this year but it's understandable but next year when we're playing FBS teams when more eyes are going to be on us that's that's when it counts
1: what's annoying is going to be some of the outside noise from other fan bases who look at kennesaw state and they see us you know losing to fcs teams this year uh, who are better than us um and not exactly. just understanding the context behind the program at the moment so I'm with you. It's a process. Um, I'm actually fairly encouraged with what I've seen so far.
2: Very well said. You said that better than I could. That's kind of how I, I was trying to put that into words. You know, the it sucks. Perception can be, make it feel like reality, you know, like a lot of the recruits, you know, if we don't pick it up, you know, it might look bad for the recruits, the current players, they might not be the happiest and it sucks. But, you know, again, trust in the process, the players, I think that are really bought in and believe in what we're doing we're going to be just fine and players that don't buy in and don't believe what we're doing, they're going to be gone. It's Simple.
1: Absolutely. Just uh, sticking with specialists before we move into this uh, comeback of sorts in the second half, um, Joshua Hewitt had another fantastic game. Um, if we were in a conference, I am sure he would be in the running for all conference punter this year. Uh, he had a 58 yard bomb in the first half. That was just a beauty of a punt. Um, so as a special teams appreciator, you know i love to see it uh we also looked really really good on kick and punt coverage um on both sides we had two really nice kick returns or punt returns on the night excuse me mm-hmm. uh, i think benyard had one that went for 33 and foster had one that went for 30 um and you know those were big offensive plays for us at the time so um great stuff to see
2: yeah hewitt was hewitt was tremendous he's he's growing um you know we don't, we aren't in the conference but we should make up our own conference and then give out at the end of the year, we can create a name for the conference and give out our honors, all conference. And are we still eligible to
1: have FCS All-Americans this year? I
2: don't. I, we're FCS independent. So I want to say, yeah, I would think we would be able to. Right. Yeah, but we don't have a conference, so you know, let's name it. We'll work on that. Anybody have any ideas of what we can do? Like an end of the year ceremony instead of calling it the, you know, the best, you know, the offensive player of the year for the Owls. Conference offensive player of the year, Jonathan Murphy, or whatever. We'll,
1: we'll have an Al Chat podcast uh, award show at the end of the year. How about that? Yes,
2: it'll be like uh, Michael Scott at the Chili's, do the award, <laughs> the
1: finer <laughs> awards.
2: Is there God in this Chili's tonight? I don't know. <laughs> But there, there was not in that ch- stadium last night or the Owls would have won. I can promise you that, the good guys. Uh, but yeah, you know, this is the, the first time I think we've, you know, we felt like we have a really good punter. Uh, I think this is the first in the program's history. I remember going back to that first game against uh, East Tennessee State. And I think Nick is about to know where I'm going with this. Um, we had a punter that, you know, he... You didn't catch it. I think he bobbled it. He was gonna. It dropped to the ground. He was gonna pick it up, and instead of picking it up, he kneeled, and as he picked it up, and he was ruled down. So you know, just coming full circle, this feels great.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely, I, and I think that the the ju- making the jump to FBS is going to allow us to really continue to attract some high profile. Um, specialists. You know, when you've got a kid from Walton, the kid from Mill Creek that there are these four and five star punters and kickers that can now play FBS football right here in your backyard, instead of going to a Tulane or a Memphis, I, I, I think that that is a a huge selling point for those, for those type players um, to not have to leave their home state to be right here and still play big time college football. Um, and having, the, I mean, the the special teams has been outstanding. Coach Buchanan is the the special teams coordinator now. Um, he's done. They've, they've done it. out, They've been lights out on special teams. Um, other than the one hold on the last punt return, that one was really really critical um, at at a point in the game where we needed a, a short field. But man the the I, I don't even remember number or names. I just remember numbers. It was I think it was thirty eight or thirty nine. Um, he's got the, he's got the longer hair. He's on the punt team. He was flying down the field. Dylan, and- was it Dylan Hand? Uh, maybe. And, and smoked the punt returner on, on that fumble. Um, I mean, and, and, uh, our, our long snapper picked it up. That was, that was a huge point in the game. I mean, just, it looks like our special teams, you know, there are some really good quality players on, on every unit that are playing really, really hard. And if we can kind of continue that, I think that that's, you know, that's a third of the game where we can start to kind of change the outcomes.
2: Yeah. And it's about, we talked about this last week as well, but special teams is a lot about want to and desire and, you know, if you want to suit up, you know, especially, you know, well, I guess I was going to say during conference play when things are limited, but, you know, um, you know, if you want to make those trips on the road games, you got to, you got to do that. But as far as, um, you know, you're talking about bringing in specialists instead of going to Tulane, Memphis, that kind of thing, we got the full scholarships now. We've got, you know, 20, 22 additional scholarships that and we can afford now to give two, even three to specialists. I mean, we're doing just fine with the long snappers. I mean, we can pick those guys up on walk-on, I'm sure, like we were in the past, but Now we get, you know, we get a chance to kind of develop some guys. And, you know, when you have 63, you know, it's hard to waste them. So not waste them, but, you know, you know what I mean.
1: Right. And Nick, as you um, alluded to, there is a lot, a lot of kicking talent in the state of Georgia. Um, And as I talked about on the last episode, the pressure's on just a little bit because in the last two years, every FBS school in the state of Georgia has had a kicker start an NFL game. So (laughs) we gotta we gotta get up there
0: fun fact i love that yeah georgia southerns had a few harris had two yeah harrison Butker, obviously from georgia tech i mean you know rodrigo it's we're, we're a kicking state
1: don't forget will lutz of the new orleans saints and the georgia state panthers that's right but anyway uh let's get into some of the more fun stuff the second half incomplete comeback um started with that jonathan murphy run Uh, It was incorrectly reported as a uh, Gabriel Benyard touchdown uh, originally in the box. And that had me really confused, Um, but it was, uh, it was a really nice play. Uh, Murphy made the right read, went 29 yards, got us on the board. um, And it for a second there felt like, you know,
0: this game was a lot tighter than it was. Yeah, absolutely. That, that play design itself, I hadn't seen us do the entire game or maybe I just hadn't noticed it, but they went, we we went unbalanced, and so there was no eligible receivers on the side that Murph ended up running to, and so their their corner kind of gotten caught in conflict of like what am I supposed to do here? And next thing you know, the ball snapped, and the corner goes flying inside Murph pulled that thing, stuck his foot in the ground and did what he does. And that that was really encouraging to see some, some, some of the creativity, you know, that coach Klanakis has put together of, of making in-game adjustments going unbalanced. Um, and then, you know, Murph just looks like he is just coasting out there and is just flying by everyone, which is always fun to see him break in stride. Yeah. Right.
2: And I'm hoping for a few new wrinkles on offense each week. I'm hoping the offense gets more comfortable, adds a couple of new plays. Um, you know, they they are what, Hopefully we become self-aware of our tendencies and uh, you know, work against that. So
1: right. I was gonna say just sticking with Murphy unless you had something else to add. Um fantastic night went 12 of 16, 181 yards, one touchdown. Um, and then when you factor out the yards lost from Sacks, uh had seven or sixty one yards on the ground and scored that one touchdown. Um the disappointing thing, and we'll get into this later, uh, is he was sacked five times. So um, just talk to me about your initial thoughts on Murphy's performance as a whole, um, what you liked, what you didn't like, and this is for both of y'all.
0: Nick, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, appreciate it. I, I think that when you're transitioning from an under center triple offense to a gun, more spread option style you know, one personnel wise, you know, you're looking for totally different kinds of bodies, but I do think we've done a good job with what we have of transitioning those guys, you know, that we, we got in the transfer portal. I think Al Hogan is one, you know, James Dawson has been a staple on the O-line for a few years now, you know, some bigger bodies, but they've been so used to going downhill and veering and climbing to backers and safeties. And now to teach them to, you know, go backwards almost is I'm sure is going to, there's going to be some growing pains. And then, when when you find yourself in these situations where you're down early I, you could see Murph kind of trying to extend some things that maybe we just need to, you know, we need to throw this one away, or we need to just check it down. Uh, I think it's a combination of both of those where we're still kind of figuring out, you know, what our best protections are going to be and, and and how to communicate that up front as well as Murph kind of figuring out, okay, wh- where can I escape here? Whereas, you know, before it was always one step read, or even back in my day, Chandler Burks fade to Sumter, right. There, there wasn't a whole lot of pass protection. Um, you know, if we, if we really had to step, you know, st- Uh, sit back and and throw it down the field 20 times a game. Um, So I I do think that that's something that, just like everything else with the offense, is going to take time, um, as well as it's going to take some some effort in recruiting to kind of get the kind of bodies that we need up front. But definitely concerning the amount of times that Murph was kind of running around. um, But but something that I'm hoping to – that I'll kind of keep my eye on moving forward is uh, definitely a, a spot that we need to improve.
2: Yeah. And he needs definitely, you know, Murph needs to also, you know, play in a more traditional offense, making his reads, all that kind of stuff. I still think he's the man for now. I think we have to ride with uh, Jonathan Murphy going forward. You know, there may come a point in the season where it's like, okay, we're doing okay. We're kind of, you know, maxing out here. Um, And then we might, you know, for the future, we might switch to uh, Davis Bryson. Um, And I, you know, I wouldn't mind, you know, at the end of the year perhaps, uh, you know, sw- splitting time, you know, those guys, you know, and there's there might be a time when Murphy, you know, with the way the offensive line's playing, Murphy can't continue, can't stay in the game. So, I'm um, I'm excited to see Bryson as well, but I I do think it's Murphy's team now and I do think the people on Twitter need to just kind of, you know, calm down, take it week by week, you know, if we lose, we lose, worst-case scenario where we're not making the playoffs anyway. So let's just, let's just see how this goes and let Murphy, you know, be a leader and and help the team grow.
1: Yeah, just sticking from, with offense or
0: go ahead, Nick. Sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, I think from a fan perspective too, um, you know, th- this kind of stuff takes time. And when you look at like Georgia tech going away from it, like they did a few years ago, um, you know, it, it doesn't happen overnight. Now, it obviously never came to fruition really for them, but it, it, it's hard to go from, you know, we don't have a tight end in the program where we do, but they're all extra tackles to, you know, now, you know, Kent is a, is a feature guy to get the ball to it, it takes time to develop that recruiting those positions, um, developing those positions and developing that scheme and to, you know, like and I agree with John's point as well of, you know, getting a quarterback ready for for the future. Um, I don't know what the plan is. I'd love to see how we kind of how we tackle that moving forward. But, we, you know, Murph's Murph's done after this year. So it's going to be really interesting to see you know how we kind of start splitting reps as we get towards the end of the year and going into next year and it it makes me think back to t- 2014 um when we redshirted the entire team we didn't have an an entire we didn't have one game for the entire season and it was like what what are the positives and from a coaching standpoint I can I can totally see how they're using these these opportunities in these games just like we did in 2014 just without games of where, where do we need to improve? What, you know, what reps do we have to get in? What are some things that we have to to develop in recruiting? Do we have to develop in the strength room? You know, where are we missing the mark? I, I totally see, you know, the vision that coach Bo has. Um, but obviously as a, from a fan perspective, it can be frustrating sometimes to, to sit there and say, Oh, you know, we, we could do this, we could do that. Um, so it's one of those things where, you, you know, trust the process, be patient. You know, there's, there's not a better man for the job than, than coach Bo. Um, he's proven, you know, we're the most successful startup, Division one program in history. So it's, you know, just be patient and, and you know, trust that it's going to happen.
2: And, you know, we need to also be aware, be aware that the coaches are making assessments too. Um, who's going to, who are we going to have that's going to make the jump to the next level with us? And it might come to the point where, you know, one player is the best player right now, perhaps a little bit better in practice, but, you know, that player is, you know, maxed out and he's not going to you know he's not going to be successful next year at the FBS level it doesn't make sense for us to play him so we might play the the younger guy that you know get him into the offense so there's there's so many different ways of looking at it so much probably goes on behind the scenes that we have no idea um just like with the red shirting stuff the strategy um it just we it just weird all the way around
1: right absolutely and just uh just progressing through this comeback um obviously chattanooga makes the game 24 to 7 um when they score and then we get the ball back and we punt it right back to him then there's the muff punt uh in the stands did it kind of just feel like a technicality john when that happened like this game's over but okay here there's a nice moment or did it feel like you know maybe if we go down and score we get a chance to get back into this game
2: it's funny you mentioned that right when it was feeling like i think it was the fourth quarter end of third or something right when i when it was like feeling the most hopeless you know i was saying to the person next to me let's think positive Let's be positive. And then uh, you know, good things started to happen. And I was like, holy crap, I was just like, like saying that. Like I didn't expect it. And then then everything turned around until the you know the final drive. but it you know, I was I was hoping for the best. I wasn't going to leave early or anything like that. but yeah, it kind of it kind of felt like, all right, at least you know maybe we have a shot.
1: Gave you a reason to stick around.
2: (laughs) I would have stuck around anyway, but yeah, I can't, I can't even explain it. I'm
1: yeah. (laughs) You're a, you're a to the bitter end type of guy on the same way. Absolutely. But yeah, that happens. Uh, Cummins gets on the board, hits his first field goal of the night um, from short distance Uh, Chattanooga. Gives or you No know, Chattanooga hits a field goal on their next drive, and then we get the ball back. And Gabriel Bignard finally gets in the end zone after he has, you know, a huge, huge night. And um, you know, we'll talk about him a little bit more after. Um, but yeah, he gets in the end zone and all of a sudden, you know, it's 27-17. And I think at least I was like, okay, you know what, you know, if we get a stop here, maybe, you know, we put ourselves in a position. Um for kind of you know just a, a miracle onside kick type of finish. You know, the way with the clock was running, I was yeah. still low on hope, but I was like, okay, you know what, it's at least respectable and you know it, it's not impossible. So uh how how rowdy did the stands get after we got that ben Yard score?
2: Oh yeah, it was it was pretty rowdy there. Like, you know, we, we had some hope. I mean, literally we were within one possession. Um, I thought we were in the end zone when Benefield had that, you know, when he scrolled it to the one yard line. I thought there was like, from my view, I thought there was no way he was going to not get in. Like, it looked like he just had to run over a safety or something like that. And he would get in, but he never did. But, yeah, the crowd was really into it. The crowd was rowdy, ready to go. And, you know, I, I'm just sad that we're not going to be able to go to Chattanooga anymore. If anything, you know, they're probably going to have to come to us because of the FCS FBS thing
1: right nick watching on tv was there a point where you were uh maybe not not that you were ever not invested but you uh you kind of bought back into our chances of winning that game
0: yeah i thought after the muffed punt it was like okay maybe this is the spark that we finally needed you know even though it wasn't a defensive plank it's a plank none none there nonetheless um and and sometimes that's all it takes is one quick sudden change and you know there's that spark and that belief that okay we're not out of it i mean that was what, we made that field goal with 245 to go in the third quarter to make it um 10 to 24 you know a two possession game and then we go down and score you know, it it felt like things are are definitely swinging back our way. If we can get one more stop, which we did, um, you know, it it, it we feel like we can we can do this. So, um, definitely from even just from listening to you know the awful reporting or or commentating by um, Chattanooga's press box of the ESPN broadcast, uh, I w- I was able to kind of stay locked in and know that you know, hey, we're we're still in this. Um, all, all we need is that play, and and that that was the first spark. Um, and then yeah, just. Gabe Binyard is, is a dude. In my notes, I literally have needs 1,000 touches per game because he just, you can't get him the ball enough. I mean, even going back to the first half, it was third and 20, like you'd mentioned earlier, Kai. It's third and 20. And we, you know, old old days, that was fade to Justin Sumter or just, you know, we're going to punt, like, and we're going to hand the ball off and we're going to punt. And now we got a guy that we can throw a screen out of the backfield that just took it 40 yards like that. Um, you know, he, he is an explosive weapon in, in multiple phases of the game, you know, kick returns and punt returns as well as on offense. And just, he, he had a monster game. And yeah, like you said, John, I was, I, I thought there was no way he wasn't getting in on that, that last play right there at the goal line, but we punched it in what the next play. Um, so I was, I, I, that was, that was really encouraging to see us find different unique ways to get I don't him. think,
2: I don't think we punched it in. Now the way the play I was referring to, I think was the play where we got stopped and then we had to kick the field goal.
0: There was another one going towards the other end zone in the, late in the fourth um that I thought you were referring to but yeah regardless he he needs to get the ball a million times a game because he is just exp- explosive uh with the ball in his hand he's, he's you know like our old school Isaac Foster who they the announcers have also mentioned was in his 7th year of uh of Kennesaw state football. He's the only guy that is still on the roster that was there when I was there. Um, and, you know, due to his medical and, and COVID year and all of that. So, um, you know, it, it was exciting to watch Binyard really kind of, you know, get his touches and, and get his yards there late in the game. Yeah.
2: Isaac we,
1: Foster seven years has to be on every announcer bingo card for every Kennesaw state game this season. No doubt.
2: I think there's probably, probably an eighth year guy out there if you look hard enough somewhere, not on our team, but
0: that's a minute got any eligibility left.
2: Who does? Never graduated, so maybe. Yeah, you never know, but uh Gabe uh, Gabe Benyard, man, that guy, you can get him the ball in all kinds of different ways as well, Um, so it's not like we're trying to force feed him up the middle or something like that. You can, you know, do an end around. You can line him up in different spots, uh, running back, slot receiver, put him out wide. You can get him to him anywhere, and that's what makes it so exciting, so, you know, he's only going to get three more games this year, so I mean, you might as well give him a thousand touches because, you know, I mean, what the hell, why not?
1: Right. And he is a guy who's coming up with us, so uh, you know, that's that's very comforting for us Owls fans. He looked like a uh college version of what Bijan Robinson looked like today for the Falcons, just a total Swiss Army knife. Um so, great to have uh just continuing with uh the second half. Um, DeAndre Morris picks the ball off off a Chattanooga deflection, uh, fumbles uh the interception again, uh, not in the same way he did last week, but you know, we've beat that horse to the ground. Um, luckily we get back on it and all of a sudden, you know, we're in business. We're down 10. There's about eight minutes to go. Who
2: recovered you know, that, by the way? Was that Jordan Miles again? It was uh it might have been. He's the one that saved uh uh, what's his name? Did he save DeAndre last week?
0: He did. He did. He fell on the ball in the end zone. It, so. it almost looked like DeAndre tried to pitch the ball as he was going down. I mean, it, it, whoa!
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. I, I, <laughs> I think mean, we need to. I think we need to have like new rules that, like you know, as soon as you intercept it, you take a knee. I don't care how much <laughs> you have in front of you.
0: Hey, I you, mean, it's, pick, you it's know every, every coach on, on Saturday or Sunday, whenever they watch the film is that is a coaching moment. They're like, do not do that. Just get what you can get down. Give us a chance to go down and score. So appreciate you making the play. Just be a little smarter here. Yeah, that's you know, I can I can hear the, the coaches now. Yeah.
1: Well, anyway, it ended up not ultimately hurting us. We got all the way down to the goal line. Um, Chattanooga made their stand. Um, and we kicked a field goal to bring the game within seven points. That being said, there was some pretty questionable clock management towards the end of the position. Uh, John, I know you had your gripes with that. I'm going to go ahead and let you voice your thoughts on clock management throughout the game and on that possession.
2: Yeah. Towards the, you know, I've got three different notes that, you know, stuck out to me at the end of the first half, you know, we didn't take, we left, we went to halftime with two timeouts in our pocket. Um, You know, they punted it to, I think it was Foster. He gets it to the midfield, you know, but we're out of time, you know, perhaps, you know, if we took those timeouts, you know, maybe they go for it. Maybe the situation, I don't know. The situation's different somehow. I don't know. But, you know, just looking at it on face value, we had it at midfield, but we also bring two timeouts and that, you know, that's an opportunity for us to take a long field goal. You know, those weren't going our way tonight, but, you know, it's nice to have a chance at points. You know, the other ones I have, you know, the fourth and two and fourth and seven, you know, we already discussed that. Um, it's not really clock management, but more like you know play calling. Um, and Bohannon calls a timeout. I think after a first down with under two minutes left to play, even though I think the clock automatically stops in that scenario. So you know, we wasted the timeout there. I just you know, and also the general pace of the offense. I don't feel like you know we have any kind of no huddle going on, and you know just. It, it just felt like we were taking a walk in the park a lot of the time when we're just like, go, go, go. We just, we just weren't. And again, that's might be new offense, new players, new system and everything. Um, you know, I just want to get Nick's take on that. Having been there.
0: Yeah, definitely. There were, you know, I mentioned the, the early called timeout on our first third down of the game because we only had 10 in the huddle and we were, you know, getting down to a delay penalty. There's a couple other things, you know, the the new rule in in college football of the clock not stopping in the, uh, you know, until you're inside of what two, two minutes or whatever it is. Um, even when you go out of bounds, um, it's it's definitely you're seeing it make a little bit of an impact. Um, I think I saw a stat the other day that it, it's only like a difference of four offensive plays per team or something like that, but still uh, in in tight games, you never know. and um, it, the timeout that you're referring to um, in the fourth, I think it was after a first down, um, yeah, definitely definitely see what you're saying there. It just seemed like we the clock I, for from what I remember, the clock was still running um, for whatever reason I don't I don't remember why um but we we had to get a we had to get a stop and we had to basically do one of those deals where we call the first first down second down timeouts with the two that we had left and then it you know it goes down to whatever it was a minute 20 uh and so forth but definitely some opportunities for improvement um especially in like you said taking two timeouts into half i thought hey maybe we you know why not why not call a couple timeouts here get the ball back or call that last timeout and get the ball back with a uh, 40 seconds to go see if we you know, make another attempt at a forty-something yarder and see if we can, you know, get this thing back into a, a one-possession game. Um, you know, those little things all added up. You know, you never know. Um, even in my notes, I have something about, you know, the the early missed field goals and then the, not having the opportunity to kick one at the end of the first half. Had we, you know, gotten into um, into scoring range, that that makes it a one-possession game or, or or potentially a one or a, a three-point game, um, depending on how we how we perform. You know, I just I just think that there were a couple opportunities early that we, we kind of let squander. But um, overall, not a I don't have a ton of gripes from the clock management side of things, but I do see what you're saying, John. Yeah, that whole last uh, or second to
1: last possession was really frustrating, um, especially when you're in a position where you really have nothing to lose. I personally would have rather seen us go for it like we lined up to do on fourth down and goal from the one or it was like the one and a half one yard line. Um, being said, I understand the call to kick the field goal. It's just when there's 20 seconds on the game clock, I would almost rather them have taken the delay and kept the timeout and just kicked it from 24, you know, which is another chip shot. Um, you know, ultimately it didn't really end up affecting the final result, but it was it was frustrating.
2: Yeah, you're you're right there. And Coach Bo, you know, has a history of, you know, I feel calling timeouts and then, you know, making his decision after the timeouts and you know, he's been doing that for quite a while. And, you know, I think a lot of that is, you know, giving the players a chance to, you know, regroup and everything like that. But I think he needs to, you know, make more decisive decisions there. Let's get, let's get the field goal unit on there. Let's kick it. Let's save that timeout. Uh, But as far as that play goes, um, you know, I think I would have kicked the field goal as well. Um, You know, because if you didn't kick the field goal and you missed it, the game's over right there. You're, you're like with four minutes left, you don't even have a semi exciting finish. You don't have the Jonathan Murphy play, you know, it's just, you know, you're just filling time and the stadium leaves. So, you know, you're taking a big risk.
1: Right. And I, I actually really do get that perspective from a fan. And I would agree with you because, you know, you want the game to matter for longer. That being said, you go for it and you get it. You have two timeouts left and you're down by three. You know, uh, you can get the ball back and you just need to get to the 30 yard line to have a shot. So um the fan in me was like, you know what, I want them to kick this field goal just so you know I care about this game for a longer period of time. But you know, logically, I think I would have been on the side of going for it. Anyways, you know, do
2: you trust the offensive line to get that push?
1: Do I trust the offensive line to get me 80 yards in two minutes? Not really. You know, it's pick your poison.
0: So,
2: yeah, good point.
0: good point. I think I think if it had been inside of a yard, I bet you Coach Bo would have would have opted to go for it there. And then obviously calling the timeout potentially he's looking for a specific look. And if they didn't get the look to go for it there on fourth, then you kick the field goal. Um, I think he made the right choice of kicking the field goal. Like John said, you're, you're down 10 points. You have to get a field goal either now, or you have to get it, you know, after the touchdown. So you need it regardless. Um, it's one of those situations where sometimes you see teams, even in the NFL, you know, when there's only 50 seconds and they're down 10 or so, and they got a 45 yard they go ahead and kick it right then and there, as opposed to trying to get that touchdown in to, to, potentially at least give you a chance to set up for an onside kick if you needed to, Um, which we we had more time than that, but um, it definitely felt like we were going to go for it there. It felt like old times, like, Oh, it's fourth and two. Game's on the line. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna show, put this eat on your face, and we're gonna let you know, hey, we're, we're we're coming downhill. We're gonna punch it in the end zone right here, and we're gonna let you know we're taking this game back. And you know, I, I see both sides. Of it. Like you said, from a fan's perspective, you're like, oh, let's let's go for it, let's let's do it. Um, but I do see the logic in it as well, where it's like, well, we're down ten. We have to get a field goal here. Fourth and two, two and a half. It's 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 kind of in that in between zone of do we go, do we not? So you know, I think it's one. It's kind of a, a coin toss at the end of the day.
2: Did we did we lose anything on that third down play? Um, I think we win. lost about a yard.
0: Yeah, oh, cool. maybe a, maybe a half yard, maybe a yard, yeah, somewhere around there. And that we definitely I think, didn't gain.
2: That killed us too, because you know, again, you know, if it's like he's like Nick said, you know, if it's fourth and in inches, maybe fourth and one, you know, you just put Murphy and follow the follow the center and you know, hope he can you know jump in, leap in, go under, do what he has to do, gymnastics to get the ball yeah. across the plane um but you know fourth and two that's that's a two-point conversion
1: right i i still i think we're just gonna have to agree to disagree because yeah. you know like like you guys both said it's you need the touchdown and the field goal at some point I, I feel a lot better about us getting another opportunity to get to the 30 than getting in the end zone so that's why i would have gone for it it's like i, I you know good luck getting back inside the five again
2: bottom so line is Bottom line is the way things played out is how me and Nick wanted it and we lost. Um so uh you know maybe if we played it the other way and like Kai wants it maybe we get that touchdown and we win. So, you know, playing captain hindsight over here. All right, good call Kai. Well, yeah. and
0: to defend your point Kai, if we do go for it and punch it in, you know, when we get the ball back even after the penalty on the punt return, we're on our own 10-yard line. We only have to go 50 instead of 90. Um, to, to kick a field goal so I mean I do see I do see both sides like you're saying of yeah. if we if we had punched it in on that possession as instead of settling for a field goal it's a totally different mindset with however much time minute minute and a half to go um, of we just got to get to the 30 as opposed to we got to we got to score I, I totally agree in that regard for sure right so just
1: finishing out the game
0: we do end up getting the ball back Um,
1: like we've talked about Uh, defense makes a stand we have an absolutely killer penalty um on what was a nice punt return um really screwed us over yeah Uh, i didn't see exactly what happened um it was uh just a personal foul right that pushed us back all the way or was it a hold
0: it was a hold um they they tried to show the replay on on the broadcast and you couldn't see it. It was kind of just following the ball. So it was clearly like on the other side of the field. I think it may have been one of the gunners that was right. held. Um, so, but yeah, it, it was a hold.
1: It was a bomb of a punt. And um, I think it was, I, was it Ben Yard or Foster who was back there
2: to grab it? I think it was Benyard.
1: Yeah. And then, um, it, you know, it went way over his head and he had to go run back and grab it. And then he turned it up field and picked up like 15 or 15 or 20 yards, whatever it was um so just a weird play where you know the gunner probably thought you know this either is going to (laughs) go under the official's nose or um you know this is not going to end up mattering this is going to go into the back of the end zone or you know he's just going to fall on the ball so
2: yeah and again that could have been another great play i believe it was ben yard no promises but i'm pretty sure you know just another you know feather to add into his cap right there um so i'm you know i feel i feel for the kid he had it you know that would this would have been the ben yard game so
0: Oh yeah. He made a couple, he made quite a few people miss too. I mean, they, I think he got it all the way up to like the 30 or the 35 on the return, which, you know, when you need a touchdown, that is
2: huge. Yeah. We were, we would have been in fairly good condition there, but you know, uh, we would have been in better condition if we just needed a field goal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to keep playing the theoretical game here in just a few minutes. Um, drive starts. Uh, we get one or two completions and then You know, I think we're all feeling all right. We still, I think we've burned one of our remaining timeouts. Um, It's, I think we're all feeling all right. We got some time on the clock. You know, we're moving the ball. And then the Jonathan Murphy play happens. Um, For those who don't know, the forearm is considered down. Because apparently a lot of people don't know this. The the forearm hitting the ground is considered the end of the play in the game of football. It's the same as a knee. It's the same as a butt. It's the same as an elbow. it looked like the forearm hit the ground. That being said, with it being as close as it was, I was surprised that they overturned the call.
2: And I was getting a lot of thoughts on Twitter. Um, and I'm not going to call it X. I will not. I'm um, getting a lot of thoughts on Twitter about this from fans that are tweeting me. Cause I was at the stadium. I saw it live. I, I basically couldn't see anything. So I watched it on the replay board. From what I saw up there and i saw the same thing when i looked at the replay on espn later last night his i saw his forearm was down um other people are saying they saw daylight that kind of thing i don't know what they're looking at but i saw the forearm down and i thought he was down in the stadium and i thought he was down on when i rewatched it um people around me um were saying the same thing yes he's not down but i don't know if they were just looking at his knees they were ignoring his forearm but like I was, I was the one in the crowd of people. That's like, I think he's down. And then everybody was getting mad at me for saying that like, Oh, you were right. Um, and I saw some of the KSU players. Uh, I think it might've been some of the specialists actually, especially like they were watching the replay too on the sideline. And some of them were jumping up and down, getting a little, little too excited there. Um, so, you know, a lot of people thought, you know, a lot of people thought both ways, but I think more people think he wasn't down and I don't know if that's just bias from being Owls fans. You know, I, I, you know, we have, I love the owls, but I also call it how I see it. You know, me saying, I think he's not down versus I think he's down. is not going to change anything after the fact. So I think he was down. I saw the forearm go down. Um, I think he had the wrist tape, which separates his forearm from the rest. I did not see any space underneath his forearm. Um, how did you see that Kai before we go to Nick?
1: Yeah. So everybody in the Press box was under the impression that, you know, the elbow had to hit down for, you know, the ball carry to be considered down. Um, uh, it was an incredible play, first off. So I don't think we should take anything away from Murphy's effort. Um, just Absolutely sticking not. with it and finding somebody down the field that was, it was one of the best plays had it stood by a quarterback I have seen in college football ever. Um, It was pretty incredible. That being said, uh, I'm with you. I think they made the right call. Um, Like I said earlier, I am surprised that they overturned it because it was really, really close. And I would have not been shocked to have seen them stick with the call in the field.
2: Yeah. And I personally saw enough to where I think, you know, everyone's going to hate me for this. I think I would have overturned it too, but I know Nick alluded to this earlier. So I think Uh, You and Mikai, we're gonna have to gang up on Nick on this one. So uh, go for it, Nick. What do you got?
0: Yeah, I mean, watching at home when when it first happened, I thought nothing of it uh, another sack—and then. You know they let the play go on, which so you actually don't see officiated properly that often. You see so many times, and even on Sundays they blow the whistle on what they thought was a you know uh, incomplete pass, but it turns out that the you know the quarterback pushed it and they didn't let the defender return it for a touchdown, so they overturned. So I, I was one impressed that they let the play continue, um, which is the right mechanic to do f- from a referee standpoint. And then yeah, for him to for Murph to st- still keep his eyes downfield and complete that pass was unbelievable. Um, but from my perspective, it did seem like we're 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 arguing about what what is considered the forearm. It, he's left-handed. The ball's in his left hand. He rolls over, lands on the guy's chest as he's turning over. He puts his right hand on the ground. The ball never hits the ground in his left hand. No knee hits, and his right hand as he's kind of rolling and pushing back up. You see, maybe like where his wrist hits the, hits the turf, but as far up to the elbow, like you said, Kai, it, none of that hit. So it's like, now we're talking about, you know, the, the Des Bryant situation, where does the forearm begin and end? Um, so I, I thought it, I, to me, I thought it was so close that it was hard to overturn. Um, that you should go with the call that's on the field. Whereas if they had called him down by contact um, initially, then they should have stuck with that. Just my two cents. Obviously, like you said, I'm trying to remove bias from it. But looking at it, it's it's hard for me to determine what part of you know what part of the arm is considered the forearm. Is his wrist the, the forearm? Is is the middle of it? You know, wh- where where do you draw the line? And and I had a hard time looking at it and saying. I don't see how you can overturn them letting this play continue um, to, you know, to a really unbelievable play. And I will I- say
1: for those listening at home, if go find a flat surface and lay your arm flat down on it, you can touch it with your forearm, with your elbows still being elevated, but it does not feel natural. It's not really a natural motion, but it did sure look like that's what happened. That's what I'll say.
2: Kai, we need to get a and like some kind of uh, anatomy expert on for the midweek podcast so we can know where does the forearm end and where does it begin? And then we can continue this discussion this week. Then we can just continue it next Sunday and the week after and we'll never end. I mean, that's basically what this amounts to.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I'll let you uh you the recruiter. Be in charge of finding a health expert for us. <laughs> and then we'll make our own call as a show. Literally, I am
2: a recruiter. So, you know, if I wanted to, I'm sure I probably could quite easily find a health expert to make this call. I sit around all day for work finding uh, experts in their field. So I could probably do this in five minutes. So don't don't dare me on that, guy.
1: Yeah. Well, that all being said, we'll move on from the controversy. Um, game ends. We fail to convert two more times. We take one more sack. Um, and we all go home uh disappointed. (laughs) Not really. Um, I I personally had a good time. Uh it was, you know, a fine trip. I didn't really go in expecting to win, neither did Vegas. I think they had us at what six and a half point underdogs, which ended up being scarily accurate. So we're sitting at one and one.
2: Yeah. And I had a great time. Uh we spent the night at the Marriott, it's about a half mile from the stadium. Um, we didn't drop, we, we drove there, left our car outside the uh, brewery where the case you had the event and just drove right back to the hotel, went to a restaurant called the pickle barrel. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever been, it's really weird. It's like this double, it's like super small bar, real type thing. It's like a double decker. They have like this really narrow, very narrow winding staircase in the middle. And like the whole time I'm thinking like, how is this not a lawsuit waiting to happen? Cause I'm stone cold sober. You know, I'm in somewhat decent shape and I'm going slow because I feel like I'm going to bust my ass. Like how do drunk people maneuver this? Like there's just something here. Like, so if you guys have ever been to the pickle barrel, send me a message on uh, on Twitter and let me know. Uh, But we had a great time. You know, the only thing I would change is the uh, is the result of the game. Um, And something I did want to touch on um, before we wrapped up, there were some injuries. Um, you know, at the stadium, we saw um, Scott, Tyler Scott looked like he couldn't put much weight on his right leg. Uh, he was helped off. So that looked like the most severe injury of the evening. Um, Nathan Wright uh, had to be removed before the last play. He's an offensive tackle. He was just limping around. Um, you know, they just speed rushed him on the last one of the last plays and they just had to call the timeout or whatever and get him out of the game. So I hope he's OK for next week. And, um, also I think I saw number 27, but we have two number 27s, um, Josh Williamson and Therese Hamilton. I started out of the corner of my eye. The dude was literally hopping around like 80 miles per hour on the sideline from like, like 25 yard duration, just on one foot. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? What is he doing? Where is he going so fast on one foot? Uh, so I don't know who that is, but, uh, hopefully he's okay. Uh, Nick, did you happen to see anybody else get banged up or anything like that on TV or any other notes?
0: No, no, that was it. And you know, I thought the weather I wasn't there obviously, but it seemed like the weather wasn't nearly as hot as it has been. I know we dealt with some cramping the week before the week prior. It seemed like, you know, from a strength and conditioning standpoint, it seems like we're in good shape. It seems like we're, you know, we're still fresh come the fourth quarter, just a couple of couple of injuries that uh that happened. Yeah, the, the one where we had to help a guy off looked looked pretty bad. So hopefully everyone's okay.
2: Yeah. And you know, what sucks even worse is when we get those guys that are hurt that are going to be playing our nine games. You know, the red shirt guys, we're losing them for three games, but Tyler Scott is one of those nine gamers. And, you know, a, a lot of our size is guys that are only going to play three games. You have Adam Watkins, Carlos Allen, uh, even Joel Parker on the defensive line. And I'm sure I'm missing Puda Walker. So we're we're going to be missing a lot of beef right now. So I don't know if the coaches, you know, are going to, you know, just go with the smaller defensive line. Are we going to bite the bullet? You know, that's just, and and just on just waste one of their red shirt years. I don't know.
1: Might break an appearance record for uh, players used of some sort by the end of the year, <laughs> all things considered.
2: Game started. Yeah, probably, probably so. But yeah, as Nick said, the weather was, I thought it was great. I'm not one of those people that likes to sit in the sun. I am way too freaking white for that. Um, And I burn, I do not tan. So, um, you know, it was very cloudy. Um, I didn't even use any sunscreen and uh, you know, I thought it was just great, great weather all around. It rained earlier in the day it was raining like hell on the drive up there through like Dalton and Chatsworth. Like we had to pull over for a second, but you know, the weather when we got there was just, I loved it. Um, It was perfect. So
0: other than the delay, right. There was what a 30 minute delay.
2: Yes. 30 minute delay. But you know, I didn't even really notice it because we're just having fun, you know, with the game. There were really long lines to get into the stadium too. Uh, Met a nice guy from Scotland. Uh, UTC fan, uh, not a UTC fan. Well, he is. He just moved to Chattanooga about two years ago. He said his two kids go to Kennesaw State, but since he moved to Chattanooga, he had to pull for pull for the mocks. So, you know, <laughs> I guess he needs a closer relationship with his kids. I don't know what's going on here, but, uh, you know, I lo- very nice gentleman.
1: Yeah. So, uh, unless y'all got anything else to add, go ahead and take us out.
2: No, no. And I just, you know, I just want to let Kai know or let you guys know that Kai refused to call me. Uh, big money Mike, for the podcast today that's mic because i dropped 30 whole big dollars on this uh on this fancy microphone from amazon hey and then uh, i
1: did the same thing just a few months prior big money
2: <laughs> so big money kai there you go you know we're no we're, it's
1: uh, it's I'm reserved winning. for a winning week but we'll get there
2: uh, all right all right next win you'll call me big money mike
1: <laughs> sure it's uh, right, it's a deal, deal. anyways I want to thank you nick so much for coming on the podcast you were a joy to have John, thanks as always. Uh, we will be back for the midweek update. We've got plenty of uh, volleyball and soccer to talk about, and we will preview Furman on Wednesday. Sounds good. Thanks, Kai. Peace out. Thank you for tuning in to the Owl Chat podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter at KSU Owl Howl and at Big Owl Blog. You can also view additional content on bigowlblog.com. And be sure to join the online community of Owl fans at ksuowlhowl.com forum. Until our hosts return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls!